This is Jerry Snyder of the Historic Amsterdam League. We're going to talk about our latest publication for 2021, our booklet on Amsterdam's arts, discussing the artists, dancers, musicians, photographers, and those involved in various arts here in uh, the Amsterdam area and the history of uh, the arts programs in our city. This is the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore. On this episode, we're taking a look at a late publication of Historic Amsterdam League on Amsterdam's arts. We're joined by one of the founders of the League, uh, Jerry Snyder. How did this uh, booklet uh, come to be? Well, we've we've been doing these booklets now. This is the tenth one in the series, uh, Amster, our Amsterdam history series, Bob. And uh, up to this point, we've done tried to go and look at Amsterdam uh, mostly on a neighborhood basis, and we've covered pretty much physically the entire city, taking people on our tours during the summer, and we've covered everything physically here, but our our purpose of the Amsterdam Historic League has been to look at both the uh, physical aspects of the city and also to take a look at its uh, heritage and culture and uh, natural history, too. We haven't quite gotten to that part yet, but we're getting there. And uh, the arts was an area that we've always wanted to cover, but we're never really sure just exactly how to approach just a kind of a perfect storm of the way things came together with uh, the COVID and everything, and not really wanting to do a uh, bus tour this past year, we decided we'd try to do something a little bit different, and uh, we decided we'd try more of an exhibit-type approach to things. So we had planned to do a an exhibit with art, kind of where people could come and at their own pace go through and view different areas of art in the history of the city in one location, have a venue and combine that with an art show that we were going to work on with the uh, with the museum, the Walter Owen Museum, and bring in some local art. Unfortunately, the our, all our plans for that part of it didn't materialize, but in the same way that we always do, having a book to go with our, our tours, we uh, were working on the book to go along with it. So we decided, even though we couldn't really put the program together with the the situation with the virus and everything this year and we decided we would bring the book out anyway and uh, we're going to hold the program and hopefully run that in the spring but we wanted to bring the book out for the holidays anyway and uh, this is something that uh, we like I say we've had and we've had a plan to do the arts in Amsterdam for quite a while and uh, we finally decided okay this was the year we were going to do it. And one of the members of the league Barbara Persico uh, did a lot of work on this booklet didn't she? Barbara did a tremendous amount of work on this, and I, I can't give her enough credit for it. Barbara, this is this is one of the areas that Barbara has a very strong interest in is is the arts, and uh, I give her a tremendous amount of credit. She did she did so much research on this book and so much of the writing for the book and everything. This is this is really her book. We have contribution by a number of other people, yourself included, uh, for the writing, but she did she did a vast majority of the work on this book and. Uh, Getting uh, digging up the information for it, and she's had she's had a background in a number of the art things here. Uh, her family and friends and stuff have been involved in a number of uh, art things throughout history of this of uh, a number of uh, musical productions here with uh, Bert de Rose and so forth. So she's she's been involved, and she has a number of contacts mm-hmm. in it. So it, it was a natural for her, and she just dug right into it and took off with it. So 
give her a tremendous amount of credit for uh, for helping uh, get this book actually into uh, into reality. Now, the book does deal with singers also, and actors, and dancers, and photographers, and musicians, and writers, and uh, even a cartoonist, and also uh, talks about the radio TV uh, industry locally. But I'd like to start with the artists themselves, because one thing that's interesting about uh, this booklet is you have a middle section where you display the artwork of the artists, uh, the visual artists that you describe? Yes. Yeah, th- this, is, this was a first for us. We actually incorporated an additional color section in the book that we haven't done previously, and we have a, we have a section, we can call it the gallery in the center of it, and we were actually able to uh, go and uh, find a number of uh, paintings and illustrations by uh, the local artists, and we put together a, a gallery, basically a, a miniature art gallery, so to speak, and a number of the artists from the local area and uh, display their paintings in uh, the center portion of the book in full color. And that really made a uh, really made a hit with the people that have seen the book. They really think that that's uh, that's a very nice approach to do it. And a m- number of the p- number of the paintings that are actually on display there from local artists, we've actually been able to line up and when we do eventually have our program uh they will be on display at the walter owen museum mm-hmm. as part of the art show which we're tying in with our with our exhibit that goes with us yeah, i was very interested in the visual artists section of this uh, booklet in large part because i don't know much about that i mean i i have written about it in my uh, history columns or some of the uh, uh artists like mary vanderveer but for example what one the thing that struck me was uh, the artist uh, and high school principal, Bob Turner. I mean, I, I know he was a high school principal because he was my high school principal. But if you were to ask me maybe before the book came out, and what was Bob Turner, what did he teach? Oh, I don't know, social studies, English? I really had no idea the man was an artist. I, 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 well, I only knew about Bob Turner from the fact that my mother also had spoken of him. Obviously, my my mother uh, closer to your generation going to school. <laughs> yes, Bob. she is. And yeah. uh, she had talked of him, and my mother was was very interested in art too when she went to school. And she always used to talk about him and how he had uh, helped her out with with her interest in art when she was in when in high school. So I knew that he had been an art teacher. That's about all I knew of him. Also. And it was very interesting for me also to find out some of the background on him. And to be perfectly honest, when we started out on this whole subject of the arts, to me it was like, oh, my God, what, you know, this is going to be the most boring and driest thing I've ever had to work on uh, of any of the, any of the HAL books because it, to me it, was, it wasn't a subject that I was really thrilled to have to, have to do. And I, I looked at it more as a job than something I really wanted to do. But the more that I got into it and things such as that, it was like, well, this is actually kind of interesting. And the more I got into it, the more fascinating it became. And by the time I finished this book, I've, I guess I could say I was won over by, uh, by things such as that because it was, very, it, it was fascinating to get into the lives of these people. People such as is, is Turner, who I, whose name I say I had, I had heard from my mother a number of times over the years. People such as him and uh, some of these other people in here, like uh, Frazier, uh, who was started out as a sign painter and ended up being 
a, a well-known artist, uh, at least uh, in the area. Vandeveer, obviously, I had heard of, but to actually see some of their works, and uh, I, I gained a much greater appreciation for the <laughs> talent of these people, and uh, along with everybody, everybody else in the book here, that uh, it really uh, it gave me an appreciation for uh, a lot more of the art, and even you know things like dancing and such as that. These people, they all have a story to tell, and uh, that's I guess uh, I guess one of the things that uh, if if some other people who read through this book who started off, and I've actually had other people make the same comment, we didn't think this was going to be very interesting until we read your book, or, you know, Hal's book, I should say, until we read the book. We came away from this really with a much better understanding of the arts and uh, a much better appreciation of these people and what they what they accomplished. I believe at least one of the visual artists is still with us, Anthony Biscotti. Is that true? Yes, yes. And the thing was, he's from my old neighborhood, Pulaski Street on on Reed Hill, and he still lives there. I mean, I had no idea this man was there when I was growing up. I presume. Uh, he's he's. It was very interesting because Barbara had tried to uh, determine information on Mr. Biscotti for quite some time, and everyone she t- everyone she spoke to said, "Well, he passed away," you know umpteen years ago and and she just kept digging and digging and couldn't find any information uh, until finally she was able to contact a cousin of his and said no Anthony's still alive and she's actually become fairly fairly good friends with Mr. Biscotti after after all this and she's met with him several times and uh, very nice gentleman and uh, she she and he have developed quite a quite a you know, a friendly relationship, and uh, he actually is uh, actually has done the the art that appears in the book uh, that we have here. Uh, they're actually originals that he has done for us just for this just for this occasion. Really. Also, uh, there, there's a, an influence on visual artists in Amsterdam, or maybe the the reason there's so many of them is. Uh, the influence of the carpet mills. I mean, the carpet mills didn't make just sort of nameless widgets. They uh, made carpets, and those carpets had to be designed. So there, it seems to me there had to have been kind of a cross-pollination or something from the real artists of the carpet mills and uh, the artists in the community. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, and there's uh, there's several. And again, this is something like with... with uh with Turner uh, and his his art background, something again I had not realized. But you start looking through and de- realizing that some of the people that uh, that became artists or were artists, I should say, not became artists because you had to be an artist to do the carpet design. But uh, the the people that actually design the uh, design the carpet patterns and everything, uh, people like uh, uh, John Van Arnhem and uh, some others that are in the book here, that that really was was a very uh, artistic uh, profession. I mean, he moved on to he moved on and uh, became a teacher afterwards and uh, taught in the high school and everything. But there are several of them in the in the artist art field there that uh, that uh, became uh, well known, and it's, it's really a, really a quite interesting tie-in. I mean. Anyone who knows me knows that the Amsterdam industry is really one of my my areas of special interest, and it was an interesting crossover for me to learn that 
gee, these these artsy people, so to speak, well, the industry really depended on those people to turn out their products. And it's just an interesting tie-in, the things you learn when you start looking, you know, getting out of your comfort zone and looking at other areas. Now let's turn to the, the singers. For example, the one contribution I made was to uh, the article on Arlene Fontana. Just a word about her. I mean, she was uh, became a well-known nightclub singer. She performed, uh, I think, thousands of times in Flower Drum Song. Uh, for Rodgers and Hammerstein, at the, especially in, in Las Vegas. But I was interested in the opera singer that you profile, uh, Genevieve Warner. She did quite well, but apparently gave it all up, after, or gave it up mostly after she got married. It was interesting. Uh, that happened on uh, two or three of the people that we saw there, uh, that uh, they gave up, the, the women gave up their careers after they got married. And uh, I guess... It was a different time and a different social situation in, in those cases. But, uh, yeah, Genevieve Warner, uh, uh, she uh, had quite the career there from, from what I can see. And, uh, again, this is someone that I had never heard of until we started reading, uh, started reading uh, some of the research and everything. And that was, that was something that Dan Weaver had put together uh, in, in one of his uh, articles. And, uh, I mean, she performed at the Century Club something I never knew. I mean, it's little tidbits like that. It's, I, I, I relate this to the same thing as when we take people on the tours and we showed them little corners of Amsterdam that they never saw before or never paid much attention to. Well, we're, this, is, this is doing the same type of thing, but we're doing it with some of the people that lived here. And I, I think that fits, fits very nicely into, into Hal's whole idea of telling the stories and showing people the little corners of uh, Amsterdam history that uh, aren't getting uh, any recognition otherwise and uh, making sure that they don't get forgotten about. And in, in addition to the singers, you have a separate section on musicians. And you did have a, a certain reaction, I believe, in the recorder interview with you about the booklet. Uh, you talked about Lorraine Audrey Madriska, if I've picked the right one. Yes. Yeah, I, uh, I, again, this is this is a name that resonated with me because I remembered it from, uh, I remembered the name from my grandmother mentioning it because she was an accompanist for the one of the singing groups for the the uh, senior citizens that my grandmother was involved in. So I recognized the name, but I never knew any of her background, and to find out that she was uh, from the age of fifteen played. For the silent films, that's that's a talent that I mean today, obviously, you don't hear about. But what a gift to be able to do something such such as that, and then to be recognized for it later in life, as she was, uh, as Dandy Nicola mentioned, you know, an unrecognized virtuoso in that area, and and to then go on to play at SPAC in her later years, and to play at uh, the festival and. Uh, uh, the silent film festival in Boston Spa, and uh, it's just just amazing that. And and again, I I knew the name, but I never knew any of her history, and uh, it, it's just uh, just an amazing thing that uh, we had someone such as that here in Amsterdam, and, and she totally unrecognized, probably by most of the people who knew again knew nothing of her background, and uh, if they if they read the story in uh, in our our booklet, they will 
understand a lot more about it and have much greater appreciation for the type of talent that, you know, you look you look every day, but everybody has a story, and uh, we're trying to bring that to life. Another name, and this you have under the category of musicians in the a new booklet on Amsterdam's arts, a man named Earl Stowitz, I think is maybe how you pronounce his name. And I've run across his name in various ways. I mean, apparently he was with the Chamber of Commerce. I think he was editor of the, of the recorder, but he was also a musician. Yes, he, and, and it was, I, I know Barbara, uh, Barbara particularly, she, she was complaining about, I can't find any information about Earl Stowitz being a musician. And she did a lot of digging on that. And, uh, and again, she, she did a tremendous amount of research in, in digging up uh, information on this. But she even, she even contacted uh, St- the Stowitz family. And she did that for a number of the, number of the uh, articles here. And uh, actually talked to descendants of some of the people that we write about in the book here to, to dig up information and... Uh, the, there's another family here, the, the Prussian family, that uh, she made contacts with and got photos from the family and actually some original sheet music that was written by some of that family. But the Stowitz family, the Stowitz family had no information whatsoever about him ever being involved with music. And uh, to be able to, uh, to give us any, any help on that whatsoever, but Barbara was actually able to dig out some information uh, on Earl Stowitz and... Uh, as it's as the there's one little uh, inf- piece of information there on the little symphony and getting uh, when they were doing the uh, later in the 60s uh, when they did a production of the creation and they ordered uh, ordered some sheet music and they from 1924 they got sheet music copies that actually had Earl Stowitz's name written on them from when mm-hmm. the production was originally done in the 20s here in Amsterdam. Uh, it, it's just an interesting little quirk that that came back to Amsterdam, but he was involved in music, but there was very little information on it. So that's just a great example of uh, some of the uh, detective work she was able to do to find find things for that. But uh, yes, he was he was well known for a number of things here in the city. But apparently, that was part of his life. That even when he was even when he was doing the work, it wasn't something that he was that well known for. But uh, he obviously has a very important uh, part to play in the in the whole thing with the, with the musical history of the city. One of the musicians that I remember uh, growing up and hearing uh, his performances was Otto Miller, who was uh, the head of the Amsterdam Little Symphony. I know our friend uh, David Petruja, uh, talking about the good old days in Amsterdam, said something to the effect, can you believe Amsterdam had a little symphony? And it did, and Otto Miller was the uh, conductor. Yes, and I, I, I remember Mr. Miller quite well because he was the organist of St. Anne's Church for all the, all the years there that, uh, when I was attending uh, St. Anne's. And uh, I, I, again, I never, never knew the breadth of his involvement with this type of thing. Again, it wasn't an area that I had a strong interest in, but reading through the reading through the uh, articles on on his history and everything, and uh, reading reading the additional uh, information available on him, you come to have a much greater appreciation for for what these people were able to accomplish. 
and uh, just yes, Amsterdam having a having a little symphony. Uh, really, when you look at it, it's amazing uh, that Amsterdam had these type of things, and uh, it just gives you a much better context for the type of things that Amsterdam was able to do and produce, and the type of people that we have here. Yeah, and uh, we we haven't got to the actors yet, and of course we're not going to omit. But he's, he certainly doesn't dominate the book, but he, it's well covered. Uh, you have a, a chapter around the life of uh, Kirk Douglas. Well, Kirk, uh, we definitely had to cover Kirk Douglas. There's no way we could, have, no way we could ever do a booklet and talk about actors and not, uh, not cover Kirk Douglas in there. Um, it's, it's interesting that uh, just at the time that uh, we were working on this book here, I was contacted by... Um, the Historic Society in, in Seneca Falls, and they asked if we would like to have a copy of an Amsterdam yearbook that they had, Amsterdam High School yearbook that they had, uh, that they had no use for. And we said, yes, we'd gladly take it. And uh, turned out it was the year that Kirk Douglas graduated. <laughs> <laughs> so, Which I can tell you was 1934, because I've seen, uh, uh, at least I've seen photocopies from that yearbook. And, and it was... Uh, it was it was just one of those things that okay it just kind of fell into place we had it at the you know we had, we had the yearbook at the same time we were we were putting together the article and everything for it here so obviously someone like that there's a lot of information available on it and uh, it was uh, you know we probably Amsterdam's most well-known son in terms of uh, uh, his uh, fame and. Uh, all the mm-hmm. films that he produced and everything. And one of the things that we have for that we have done that we were going to do as part of the show and we will do as part of the show and we finally are able to present our exhibit, which we're hoping to do in the springtime, is to put together a number of film clips from the, uh, from the actors uh, that we'll put together into like a probably a 20-minute uh, run that we'll be able to present. Uh, a number of film clips from a number of these actors that we have in the book, so that when people come to the uh, come to the exhibit that we do, they'll be able to watch a number of these film clips from different films. And we were able to uh, able to obtain some clips from various films. Some of them not as well known as uh, some of the other films that he's done, but again, just trying to show a spectrum of the different things. And uh, some of the old films, some of the other, some of the other actors were in too. And that's one of the little things that we put in the book that we tried to add some interest to it is uh, by putting the QR codes in the book that allow people to link directly into YouTube. Uh, they can uh, use their uh, devices to pick up the QR codes and it'll take them directly to a YouTube link to a film or to uh, some music from the book. So uh, that's, that's a nice little thing that we were able to do with modern technology that we weren't able to do when we first started doing these books. That's true. It's you're really you're really with it, as they say. Um, also, there were dancers, and you um, focused to some extent on the Willoughby Noble Dance Studio. I never, well, I guess when I was in a play or something, I went there once for some sort of brush up. But dance, I've never been able to uh, do that. But they're, they're they're certainly well known. Willoughby Noble Dance Studio was between where I lived in my grandparents' house. So I would go by that all the time. Well, West Spring Street School, 
it was between my house. They were between my house and that, so I used to walk by it, going back and forth to school all the time, and used to see the sign on the on the on the uh, on the building. Never really paid much attention to it, other than I knew it was there. But uh, that, they apparently taught dance to hundreds of the uh, hundreds of the uh, people that learned to dance here in, in Amsterdam. And uh, as they said, they even for a while they even taught uh, baton to uh, aspiring majorettes for the high school, and uh, they had quite the long history, and uh, if it wasn't for the pandemic, they'd probably still be uh, offering classes there. But uh, very interesting, there was a number of dance schools here in the city, really, when you, when you start looking at it, and I don't think it's probably quite as popular as it used to be, but obviously it was tremendously popular for a long period of time. An- uh, another section you have is uh, photography, uh, the name that stands out to me is uh, Paul Masto, uh, the photographer. And is he still with us? Yes, Paul is still Paul is still with us. Uh, and again, Barbara Barbara actually uh, got in touch with Paul and actually went and personally interviewed him and uh, sat down with him. Uh, again, very nice gentleman, uh, and uh, he's still very interested in photography and uh, still still does it uh, in his. Uh, in his retirement, and uh, he uh, spent a lot of time uh, talking uh, talking with her about it, and uh, he's very proud of his work, as well he should be, and uh, there's a couple of spectacular shots he's got there, the one that we used in the book, the one there from the Orisville Shrine in 59 that uh, he got all the awards for, and a very interesting story that goes along with that one, uh, and as we, as we mentioned in the book about him getting a ladder and climbing on the roof of the uh, <laughs> of the building in Orisville to take the picture and almost getting uh, almost getting uh, taken away by the uh, security <laughs> forces for climbing on the roof if Hugh Donlin hadn't uh, hadn't stepped in and stopped that uh, but uh, interesting little anecdotal story again part of what we try to uh, part of what we try to include in our our uh, books and our history uh, of Amsterdam and one of the cartoonists you talk about is Lou McGilla. I've uh, talked uh, to Ben Krupp, as I'm sure you've talked with him over the years, uh, about uh, Lou McGilla. He was part of the Lithuanian community, but uh, became a successful, I mean, he was a, an artist for Mohawk. He, I, it's a, alleged, anyway, that he uh, may have come up with the original drawings of Mohawk Tommy, the politically incorrect uh, figure that advertised uh, Mohawk carpets, but uh, in uh, later years, he branched out on his own and did uh, uh, his own uh, cartoon work and other uh, professional artist work uh, where he moved down south. Yes, uh, it w- and that was that was interesting to uh, interesting to find that too. And uh, again, it's like uh, you know, there's uh, there's so many different areas you can go into with the arts, and to uh, to find that we had uh, uh, we actually had two professional artists that used to do uh, used to do work for national magazines. And uh, uh, Magilla, I, f- I found you know actually, uh, and we have a sample in the book of. He did cartoons for things as diverse as Boy's Life, even, and uh, he he had Christian Science Monitor, um, uh, Laugh a Day panels. Uh, who would have Who would have known that Amsterdam produced, uh, you know, nationally published artists uh, for uh, for magazine cartoons? 
and it's just uh, it's just amazing the type of things that uh, the people that we have here that that nobody nobody even recognized that they were around. The booklet is called Amsterdam's Arts. It's available uh, from uh, Historic Amsterdam League. You can uh, order it by mail on their um, uh, website, uh, Historic Amsterdam League. And uh, of course, one of the reasons we do uh, these interviews with uh, with Jerry on the Historians Podcast is to give uh, ideas to other uh, community uh, history programs. I'm sure there's you you can have Oswego Arts, you can have Arts of uh, Ithaca, New York. Uh, on this episode, we've been looking at uh, Historic Amsterdam League's publication. Amsterdam's Arts. We've been joined by one of the founders of the Historic Amsterdam League, uh, Jerry Snyder. This has been the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore.